Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 44? Isaiah chapter 44. There's just one verse I want us to read together. When you get there, if you could stand with us this morning for the reading of God's Word. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. Isaiah 44 and verse 3. Once you get there, if you would stand with me, we'll all read this wonderful verse together. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 3. Once everybody's there, we're standing there. Let's all read it together, just this one verse. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy sea and my blessing upon thy offspring. So Father, we pray that you'd bless your word to our hearts today, that you would come. We just ask that you'd come among us and Lord, that you would minister into every life and every heart in this room, and that the name of Jesus would be glorified. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Praise the Lord. I want to speak this water for the thirsty. Water for the thirsty. This is a promise in God's word that he would pour water upon him, individual him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And I will, I will pour, the prophet says, my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. This is a promise to someone who's in need, that someone is in need. There's a need in that soul. There's a need in that life. There's a desire that is within that individual and there's a promise here found in God's word that he would pour water upon that thirsty soul, that soul that is longing. There's a desire. There's a longing. There's a need in that soul for something that's greater than that individual. And that's a thirsty man or a thirsty woman. I could begin by reading a letter that was penned, I believe, in 1907 or around that. And I just want to read it, if you could listen for a few moments. I don't think I'll preach long this morning, but I do know I'll preach what the Lord has put in my heart. This is what the letter says. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Body, after seven full days of the glorious presence of the glory of God resting upon me, I send you this testimony for the glory of God. For three months I have been exercised about the full Pentecost. I had the clear witness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit 14 years ago last July. And this brought a marvelous manifestation of God and special gifts to sick ones and constant living and seeking to bring others to Jesus. But from time to time when reading the book of Acts of the Apostles, I always saw that the signs were not following as I am led to believe ought to be after a real Pentecost according to Mark 16. The desire more and more increased in my very inner soul, giving me a holy breathing cry after this clear manifestation. I have visited meetings at London and Sunderland and other places, but always knew they were not seeking Pentecost. There seemed a great deal of the letter 
but very little of the spirit that we give the hungry and needy a baptism of fire, such as would burn up distinctions and officiousness and appearance of pride and evidences of social standing. Today I am actually living in the Acts of the Apostles' time. I am speaking with new tongues. The holy fire of God's presence filled me till my pen moves to the glory of God and my whole being is filled with the presence of the Holy Ghost. Almost I am led to believe that 20 years is not too long to wait for the holy anointing of God, the Holy Ghost. On Friday the 25th of October 1907, we had a special meeting at the mission room in Bowling Street, Bradford, and after waiting about two hours, the presence of God came in in a wonderful way and gave me a move as at the beginning. I perfectly well understood the glow and holy presence. This was felt by others also. On Saturday, I and a friend went on to Sunderland to wait for Pentecost at All Saints at Mr. Body's Church. We had heard much about this blessed work and were encouraged. But after arriving at Sunderland, we found the enemy was very busy discouraging the believers. But this did not disturb me because I had gone with an open mind and prayed much to be clearly convinced if there was anything that did not reveal the glory of God that I would at once have cleared out and protested against it. But God was with me there. I, but I found the full presence and power to restore believers and to heal the sick. My experience is that this does not take place in some kinds of meetings. The reason is that to a great measure they do not believe in the full gospel. And it is nothing new to me to find great leaders against tongues and to find even in these times they cannot enter in because of their own belief. I praise God for Pentecost. Amen. On Sunday morning, October the 26th, after waiting much in God, I went to the Salvation Army meeting in Rooker Avenue. God bless the army. They at once gave me a welcome. And already realizing his presence in my body, I long for communion. And when after praying, the glory of God covered me, I was conscious at the same time of much the experience I believe Daniel had in his 10th chapter. After this, I regained strength to kneel. I continued in this holy glow of God all the day, still realizing a mightier work to follow. I went to all saints through the communion service and after this was led to wait in the spirit and many things taking place in the waiting meetings that continued to bring me to a hungry feeling for holy righteousness. At about 11 a.m. Tuesday morning at all saints vicarage, I asked a sister to help me do the witness of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She laid hands on me in the presence of a brother. The fire fell and burned in me till the Holy Spirit clearly revealed absolute purity before God. At this point, she was called out of the room and during her absence, a marvelous revelation took place. My body became filled with light and holy presence. And in the revelation, I saw an empty cross 
And at the same time, Jesus, I loved and adored, crowned in the glory and in the reigning position. The glorious remembrance of these moments is beyond my expression to give when I could not find words to express. Then an irresistible power filled me and moved my being till I found, to my glorious astonishment, I was speaking in other tongues. After this, a burning love for everybody filled my soul. I am overjoyed in giving my testimony, praying for those that fight this truth. But I am clearly given to understand that he must come out of every unbelieving element. I am already witnessing, I am already the witness of signs following. Praise him, Smith Wigglesworth. The Bible says, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. There's a desire. There's a desire. The promise is to the man or to the woman, regardless of who they are or where they're from or what status they have. But the promise is for them that I will, that I will. That I will, that I will, that I will pour water on the man or the woman or the young man or the young woman. I will pour water on them that are thirsty. I'll pour water on floods even upon their dry ground. I will, saith the Lord, pour my spirit upon your seed and my blessing even upon that offspring. The prophet Joel said that it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters. They shall prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days. I will saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit. The Apostle Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 16, after that blessed outpouring of the spirit, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids, I will pour out. That word pour means to gush. I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. We are simply given a picture. I will pour water upon a man or a woman but somebody that's thirsty that's who the promise is for it's for men or women or anybody that's actually thirsty for God that actually wants Jesus more than anything else how can a man who doesn't know his need who doesn't know he's lost how can he ever be saved if he doesn't know he's lost, 
How can he ever come to realize that he's sinking deep in sin, sinking to rise no more, unless he realizes he's lost without Christ. But that moment when you realize that you're lost, then the Savior reveals himself, and he's able to save you. You can't be saved unless you know you're lost. Friend, this morning, this message is to the thirsty soul. It's a message for the thirsty soul. There's a desire. There's something beyond the realms of the natural. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's something deeper within the soul of a human heart and in the spirit of man that's longing for more of Jesus. There's a desire. There's a thirst. There's a hunger. You see, that woman at the well was not just told by the Lord that there was water, but she was told, you've got a drink. You've got a drink. You've tried the broken cisterns of this life. You've tried the world. You've tried everything. It has to offer you, but it's left you empty. It's left you broken, and it's left you dry. But thank God this morning that there's water you can drink, and you'll never thirst again. There is a man or a woman in this room. You see, it's individual. And if this message is for one, then it's for one. You see, the promise is to the one. The promise is to the individual. The promise is to one woman or one man in this room this morning that in the depth of their heart they're saying, I want that water. I thirst. I long. I need. I desire, I want him more than anything else. It cannot be enough just to know that there's water, but we have to drink it. He promises that there will be a pouring out or a gushing forth. It's a spiritual thing. There's a created desire within the heart of a man or a woman. I believe it's created by the Holy Ghost. I believe the environment. I believe everything about it is all God and he creates a hunger into that heart and into that life of that individual. And there's a spiritual desire. In Romans chapter 8 it says these words, For they, verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's where their mind is. That's what they're after, the things of this temporal world. Their mind is filled with that which is the worldly. So that's what they're after. That's what they think about. That's what they're looking to. That's what they're longing for. That's their entertainment. That's what they desire. For they're after the flesh, but they mind the things of the flesh. But listen, but they that are after the Spirit, it's the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, the Bible says it's life and it's peace. This is a promise, not to everyone, but it's a promise to the thirsty. It's a promise to those that have a desire. You'll know it this morning, because what will happen to the preaching of God's word is, that in your heart, not in your head, but in the depths of your heart, you'll know that the Holy Ghost begins to quicken that desire. It is not something that is 
uh, worked up by man, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit. There's a desire in that heart. There's a desire that's been created by God. There's a desire for Christ himself. There's an individual. It's internal and it's spiritual. And God says, I'll pour water on that thirsty soul. Is that you, friend, this morning? Is that you, dear sister, this morning? In the midst of it, you're discouraged, you're down. You feel that, that, that some way there's something that you're missing. But in the depths of your heart, there's a desire. I need this Christ. The promise is this. That God says, take him at his word. I will pour water on him that is thirsty. He will. Floods are promised upon the dry ground. Oh, friends, it's dry. It's dry ground. There's a barrenness. There's a sense of a spiritual desert that's all around us. There is a time, there is a season. Do you know, I watched a, a program about the, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the river's called the Kabango River, and it's in the southern countries of Africa. And this Kabango River begins away up in the Angola Mountains, and it travels over a thousand miles from Angola, and it travels right in over the border of Botswana, and 70 miles into Botswana, it goes into a place known as this delta or the, or the Kabango Delta. That's just a flat area. It's 6,000 square miles. It's like a triangle. And the, and the water's never more than two meters deep. And once it comes down through that mighty river and it reaches into that plain, it just suddenly bursts over the plain. And it creates one of the most wondrous, one of the wonders of the southern countries of Africa. It's teeming with wildlife, lions and cheetahs and buffalo and wild beasts and hippopotamus and zebras and wild dogs and crocodiles. And they all come to this delta. And the river flows and the, and the, and the sides of the river, it's lush, it's full of green. And it says that there's the greatest herd of elephants that gather around this delta. Something like 40 to 50,000 elephants come to gather around this river. But what happens every year is the dry season comes and begins to take its toll on the delta. As it begins to dry up and retreat and go back, there's a particular area called the Santa Wani area. And suddenly, as the waters retreat, and all the animals begin to flee, within a space of a couple of months, that which was looked like a paradise, suddenly looks like an apocalyptic picture. It looks like everything's been destroyed. It looks like a barren desert. And what happens in the midst of all of that, is that there are little animals, the wee gazelles, all the ones that we like, and they get stuck in the mud. And as it begins to dry, then the lions come. And the lions, they're easy picking for the lions because now the water's gone. There's no defense. And so then what happens is, 
The lads come and they've got great big paws and they don't sink in the mud. They can go across the top of the mud and you see the little gazelles that get stuck because of narrow legs and now they're stuck in the mud. And what does the lamb do? Well, he comes and he gets a hold of that gazelle and the enemy ravishes all those innocent little gazelles. The water begins to retreat. The season becomes dry. The ground is barren. It's a dry season. It nearly turns into one of the most vicious, awful scenes on the earth. As the beasts turn on one another, there's no water. As the lions turn on one another, and even prides will turn on each other. They have everything you want to see it. It's unbelievable. And it begins to dry up. And now what was once full of life is a barren wilderness. But you know what happens, friends? Know what happens? What happens is that maybe seven, eight hundred miles up that river, way up on those mountains, the clouds begin to turn black. What begins to happen over a period of just a few weeks, away up that river, away up those mountains in Angola, the rain begins to fall again. And as the animals are struggling, just like some believers in this room this morning, it's like a barren place. It's like a place where you've come to and it's like the enemy seems to have had a great effect against you. And as the barrenness comes and, and as the drought comes and it nearly seems like an apocalyptic picture in your mind. And as the enemy comes to seek to kill, to steal and destroy. Let me tell you something, friend. There's rain beginning to fall. And the river begins to rise. And see within the space of just a few months. Do you know what happens? Or a few weeks. The next minute the river begins to flow again. And as that delta dries up then. This mighty river begins to pour out. And come down through those Angola mountains. Right over into Botswana. And suddenly that delta is bursting again with life. How we need that river. It's the river. It's the power of God. What happens in all of this, friends, is that those animals are not aware that away up that river, the clouds have turned black. And like an Elijah's day, there's black with clouds and wind, and then there's a great rain. The Bible says, I will pour out water upon him upon him that is thirsty. See, I want to ask you, friend, this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty? Are you wanting more of God? Are you wanting the fullness of God? Are you desiring to be filled with the power and the presence of a living God? In Isaiah 35, you can turn over with me what happens at this time. In Isaiah 35 and verse 6, says these words, Then shall the lame man leap as a heart. Then shall the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and there'll be streams in the desert. The parched ground, has it been dry, friend? Christian brother or sister, has it been dry? Has it been barren? It says the parched ground shall become a pool. And the thirsty land will be springs of water. 
and the habitation of dragons were in each lane. Shall the grass with reeds, shall be grass with reeds and rushes. I'm asking your friend this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Is there a desire? Is there a desire for this water? Is there a desire for the fullness of the Spirit? Is there a desire for an outpouring of this water upon your life, not upon the whole land, but just you this morning, individually? Are you full and running over? Not just full, but are you full and running over? Is there a void? Is there an emptiness? Is there a desire? Is there a longing? My God, I need the fullness of the Holy Ghost. I need the water that this that we're talking about. I need the fullness of what that means in my life. I need Jesus. You see, the greatest threat to the enemy at this time, friends, isn't organized religion. What is the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness at this time is a people that are full of the Holy Ghost and running over he doesn't fear organized religion. Actually, he's the creator of it and the instigator of it. He does not fear, friends, organized. Listen to me this morning, no matter how religious we think we might be. That does not threaten the kingdom of darkness. You remember what the demon said? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? The only thing that threatens that kingdom are men and women that are full of the Holy Ghost and power. This is a promise for you, friend. This is a promise for you, brother or sister. This is a promise in God's word. I will, saith the Lord. I will, saith the Lord. I will pour water on him that is thirsty. If you're not thirsty this morning, then I ask you, what has taken your desire? What is it of this world? What is it that this world compares to him? Remember the song that we sing, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. We sing it, but friends, do we mean it? Is there anything else in this world that would satisfy you? Only Jesus himself. He promises here in Isaiah that I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. I want to tell you, friends, this is a promise. You turn in the Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16. This is who the promise is to. Galatians 3 and verse 16. Now the Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one unto thy seed, which is Christ. Further down the chapter, verse 29, it says these words. Would you read it with me? Verse 29. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise is to you. And the promise, praise God this morning, is to your children. And your promise is to your children's children. Friends, listen, this is a promise in God's word. I am of the seed this morning because I've been born of the Spirit of God. So I can take the promises of God and make them mine. I can make them mine by faith. It's not enough to know them. She had the drink of the water. 
It's not enough to accumulate intellectual understanding, but we got a drink of the water. He says, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. How we need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. How we need a pouring out of God himself upon this dry and this barren land. How we need the waters to pour again upon his people in this land. Discouraged, some trapped in the mud of this world and the enemy having a field day with them. Can I tell you, friend, this morning, it's beginning to rain. And the rain will bring the river. He says, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. And then it says these words, the last part of that verse, and my blessing upon thine, what does it say? Offspring. The blessing of the Lord upon your offspring. That's what you have produced. Praise God this morning that the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and addeth no sorrow with it. But the blessing not only is for you, but it's for your, say, offspring. It's your produce, what you have produced. Praise the Lord this morning that it's for your children. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, if you turn over to it, here's the blessing of the Lord. Acts 2 and verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, would you read it with me? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Would you read that verse again? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Would you say amen? amen. The promise is to you. The promise is to you. Here's a father and a daughter sitting in this left-hand side. And the promise is to the father. But praise God, it's also to that which he's produced. That's little Anna. Thank God it's a promise. The blessing of the Lord is upon us. And sometimes it may not look that the fruit of that blessing is there. Isn't that true? If I look back probably on my life and then look at my mother, there was probably a time when she... Believe in this promise, praying for this promise, standing on the promises of Christ her King. But when she realized that the eldest and the third, they're always the worst, and they were far from God and in the world. But the promise has been fulfilled today because the blessing of the Lord is upon our offspring. That's the promise of God. It may not look like that, Paul, as Paul has shared with us this morning. But the blessing of the Lord is for your offspring, for what you produce. It may not look like that, but it's faith in the promises of God. How many people know that his promises never fail? How many people know we can stand on the promises of Christ our King? How many people know that this is not just a book, but it is God's living word? How many people know this morning, friends, that God will never fail us? The promise of the Lord. This is a promise for you and your children. Even this wee baby in this mother's womb, the most protected, sacred place on the planet in that womb this morning. And why the world? 
Why in the world? And all their deeds and all their laws that they bring in to slaughter the innocent and what should be the safest place. The blessing of the Lord is upon that life. While John was in the womb, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Friends, it's a baby. It's not a net and it's not a fetus. They just change that to make them feel better and not guilty. But the promise, the promise, the promise is on the you and your produce. What you'll produce. Friends, is there a thirst? How this land has been ravished, ravished with a dry season. Ravished. This is not to overstate it in any way. But friends, I want to tell you in a spiritual scene, not with the natural. Because with the natural, people are building their houses, the building trade booming. They're building, they're buying, the house prices are rising. They're spending their money at home because they can't go away. Houses are getting bigger, cars are getting flashier. Everything's going on like nothing's happening. But I want to tell you, if you can see it in a spiritual sight, you'll see a land that looks more like an apocalyptic picture. That's what it looks like. If you can see through the eyes that God can give you, the land around us, it's apocalyptic. It's barren. There's a barrenness, there's a deadness, there's a dryness. There's such a sense of apathy. And that's even amongst, can I say it, the people of God. Unmoved, undisturbed. Just carrying on in need of nothing. Not knowing the reality of the picture. It's apocalyptic. Jesus said this, and I believe these promises stand through every generation, including the last one. He said this, in the last and the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried. You know what he said? He just said, see if there's any man that's thirst. See if there's any woman that's thirst. See if there's just someone, just one, a young person. A child, if there's just one person, if any man, he said, thirst, it's individual. Let him come to me and let him, what does he say? Let him drink. It's not enough to know that there's water. We've got to drink it. He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We sang it this morning. I hope we believe what we were singing. There is a river of life flowing out of me. There is a river that makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. He says, He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this speak he of the Spirit, which they that believe in him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Christ was not yet glorified. Praise the Lord this morning. He's glorified. It's an empty cross. What a picture. Smith Wilkinson got a revelation. An empty cross and a picture of the Savior seated reigning. And he's reigning this morning. He's reigning over the nations. He's reigning over the kingdoms of men. Friends, this word may not think that. 
but this Christ is reigning over all the nations. The cry was for a man. Just a man. One man. An individual. The call from the heart of Christ, from Christ himself was, hey, if there's any man, if there's one woman, if there's one young person, if there's just one person, one person, if anybody thirsts, let him come unto me and let him drink. Friends, it's not mine. What are we mindful of? You know, the Bible tells us, as a man thinks, then that's what he is. Do you know everything of this word is trying to condition how you think? Do you understand? It's, it's trying to condition you how you think. It wants to tell you what you should think. It wants to influence you how you think because once it does that, once it influences you and once it controls your mind, then that's what you'll become. Do you see the power, the power of that media world? The influence that will have on the mind because what you think is what you'll become. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs 23, as a man thinketh, so he is. What's it trying to do? What's this world trying to do? What's this system trying to do? What's this antichrist system? It's trying to control how you think. Governments are trying to control how you think. Not just what you do, but how you think. And if they can socially condition how you think, then that's what you'll become. And what have they done? They've produced a society that's filled with trouble and filled with fear. I want to tell you, friends, this morning, as a man thinks, as a man thinks, so he is. For we can fast our minds from it all this morning, and we can pull away from that which is the world, and think after those things, and we, by the Spirit, can go after the Spirit. And that's life, and that's joy, and that's peace in the Holy Ghost. Jesus says, if any man thirst, thirst, do you thirst for God? Is there a thirst for Jesus? You know, you can have as much as you want. I want to tell you something. You'll never exhaust this fountain. There's enough for everyone. And there's more. And there's more. And there's more. And there's more. He just said simply, have any man. Have any man. Any woman. Anyone. Thirst. Do you thirst? Do you thirst? He said these words, let him come unto me and let him drink. I will pour water on him that is thirsty. That's a promise. Are you thirsty? If you're not, if you're not, believer this morning, if you're here and you're not, and it's just empty and dry, I know what will happen. I know what will happen. The Holy Ghost, the God who loves you, and died for you, and has saved you, 
will bring a conviction on your heart and your life and the things in your life that shouldn't be there. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. That's why he would do it. Because he loves you. When he brings that conviction, is to deal with that thing that would hinder him in any way. And you know what will happen? He'll create a spiritual desire for him. I want to tell you, friends, there's nothing and nobody like Jesus. The goodness of God brings a man or a woman to repentance. Listen, friends, this morning, there was a time in my Christian experience, I tell you truthfully, there was a time when I was filled with everything else but him. It was a carnal mind. It was seeking the natural things. And I wondered why that experience wasn't what it should have been. But God in his mercy reached down and brought conviction to my heart, Nikki's heart, and all their hearts, Trish and Steve. And there was a sweet sense of repentance. But you know what he replaced it with? A longing for Jesus. And there's nothing like a longing for him. All friends this morning, why would we sell it out for something else? If we're thirsty, he says, I will. I'll pour out. I tell you, I don't care who you are, where you're from, and don't worry about the labels. This shell of all the labels this morning, this world is socially conditioned, this, and the church is socially conditioned, this, the labels that fit us into boxes of what's for us and what's not for us. Friends, I want to tell you, none of it's from the Lord. If you're thirsty, I'll fill you. If you come. Are you thirsty, friend? Any man or any woman, let him come. Let him drink. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.